Well, praise the Lord. We're, Trace and I are glad to be back. We missed last week. We were in Lafayette, Louisiana, and um, having fun there with a church that we helped to, to start about five years ago. Uh, one, of our, one of our youth pastors started church, and so uh, we were there last week having a good time. Uh, Ken and Nancy, I got to see your son Brian there, and he's such a good part of that uh, congregation. And uh, if you were here last week, Scott Stripling spoke, and I listened to the message, a great, great message, and it's good to, to hear some different voices sometimes, uh, a different perspective. So he did a great job, and I'm thankful for that. So we're in a series called Relationship Goals. And the goal of this series is just to dig deep into God's Word to discover spiritual principles that can help us to strengthen our relationships. Relationships are so important, and God designed all of us to have healthy, mutually beneficial relationships. We're not created to be alone. We're created to have relationships. But one of the things that I notice is when I talk to people, relational problems, dilemmas, chaos, and all other kind of negative words you can say are very prevalent in many relationships. As a matter of fact, in 20 years, as I meet with people in my office, every counseling session I have ever had is about a relationship. And so if we can learn how to develop proper relationships and how to maintain healthy relationships, I think that it will make our lives better. Um, the, the quality of our lives will be determined by the quality of our relationships. So week one, I talked about eight legitimate laws of relationships. And basically, that was for general, general friendships, relationships, eight legitimate laws of relationships. You can go back and listen to that if you want to. Two weeks ago, Trace and I talked about going the distance. We talked about marriage, and Tracy was, was up here with me. And um, that message had more feedback from our congregation than anyone I've ever done before. We had texts, phone calls, and and, you know, people slipping notes under my office door, let Tracy speak more often, you're boring, you know, all kind of, all kind of, all kind of, all kind of things, you know. And I, I, I slipped a note back under the door, I've been trying for 20 years. I've been trying for 20 years, but uh, today we're going to talk about another relationship, and it's, it's the, the parenting relationship and how to develop strong relationships between parents and their children. And uh, if you're not a parent, I think you'll still get something uh, out of this message. But parenting is so important. And family life is passionate about helping the whole family, but also parents. And helping parents be the very best parent they can be. Giving our parents the tools, the, the guidance, the support they need to raise healthy, well-adjusted uh, children. You know, over the last few years, God has really put a passion in me uh, for, for parents, for, especially for young parents. You put a burden on my heart. And um, there's so many people I talk with, especially young parents, who they want to raise good kids. They want to be good parents. They just lack the experience, the guidance, the expertise maybe uh, to raise kids effectively according to how God would want them. And uh, the burden was so great that in August of last year, I published a book on parenting. And... Uh, my, my goal is real simple. I just want to help parents raise great kids. I want to give them some tools, some ideas, some concepts maybe they don't know. And, and God put a desire in my heart. I, I want to get this book into 10,000 homes, 10,000 young families 
uh, who, it'll, it'll help people. If you, it'll help you if your kids are grown. I have a chapter on that. It'll help you if your kids are teenagers. But the best place to start is when they're young. That's the best place to start. And, uh, you know, I want to get this book in, in, uh, in the hands of 10,000 people and help them raise the next generation. If you're a visitor, you can get the book for free. Um, but I have a couple signed copies here. If you don't have the book and you would, this is just a first come, first serve basis, and you would like it right now, just, just raise your hand. Who? I, okay, Ms. Clarissa? Yes, come on up. Yes, ma'am. I don't know your name, but come on up. All right. See, I knew the guys wouldn't raise their hands. I knew it. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much. Okay. Oh, she raised it for her husband. There we go. Now, if I say, hey, I have some free tickets to the Texans, the guys are like, well, you're going to whip me into parenting shape. I'm not going to do that. But uh, if, if you're a visitor, you can get a free copy back there in the Life Center. And I, I'm just really thankful. Uh, it's just, you know, gaining traction and momentum. But this book has been very well received. Tracy and I have been asked to go several places around the country to do a parenting conference. We did one last week in Lafayette. And in, at the end of April, we'll be going to Delaware. And I have a friend in Delaware. He's been there. He's older than me. He's been there for about 35 years. He has more people coming to his church than, than live in his county. And they have three campuses, and he asked us to come, and so we're doing a parenting conference for them. And as a matter of fact, he surprised me. He listened to the, the message that Trace and I did on marriage, and he, he said, y'all have to do that in our church when you come. And so I said, my wife would be happy to do it. She would be happy to do it. So now she won't sleep for, for, a, couple, for a couple weeks. Now, a, a little note about my book. You actually have to read it for it to help you. I have one of my friends, one of my really good friends, and he got the book. He bought it on Amazon because he wanted to write me a review. And he wrote me a beautiful review. And I said, man, that review is so awesome. Have you read it? He's like, no, I hadn't read it, but I just read the highlights and I put some good stuff on there for you. If you want to know who it is, go to Amazon and look up my book. And you can see uh, the reviews and you can figure out who it is. So we're talking about parenting. Some of you may not know my kids, so I'm going to put a picture of my kids up here. I cannot believe that Tracy dressed them in cowboy gear. That is blasphemous. I'm telling you, it's blasphemous. She dressed them for this picture right here. Okay, that's not, that's them today. I dressed them in that and I bought them tickets, okay? And behind there, that's the Mecca right there. That's the seventh wonder of the world right there. Uh, but anyway, this is my, these are my kids. Terry with the hat on. He's my old, our oldest. He's 26. He graduated from the University of Houston uh, Bauer School of Business. He's finishing up his master's degree in theology. And he's our student pastor here at Family Life, and he helps out with technology and the sound booth and everything else. Um, Ty is on the left there, mother's son, and Ty just graduated from the University of Houston. He's in um, Texas Women's, is it Texas Women's College? Texas Women's University, okay. And um, down on Fannin Street, and he's doing his master's in occupational therapy. And Trinity, our little baby girl, Hey, it's a problem. If you have a girl, but if, you have, if the girl is a baby and she's the girl, it can be a problem, okay? Luckily, I'm disciplined and I just cracked the, crack the whip, right? Anyway, Trinity, she's graduating in May uh, for, from um, Houston Baptist University and School of Nursing. 
And so uh, anyway, we're very, we're very proud of all of our kids. They're, they're doing very, very well. And they love Jesus. They serve in the church. And they're productive. And, and so if you, don't, if you don't know my kids, if you ask some of the people that are here, I'm, I think they will tell you that they're, you know, they're pretty good kids. And, and we're fortunate for that. Um, so, but I don't have any grandbabies yet. Trace and I got married when we were 20. I'm thinking by 50, I'll have three or four, you know? And nada. And I don't have any grandbabies yet. Of course, my kids aren't married yet, so I prefer them to get married, obviously, before that. But, um, and sometimes they joke with me that I may not have any grandkids. I said, well, I'm going to put it in my will. The one with you, 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 my, our inheritance will be divided by the number of kids you have. And twins, twins get a double portion, right? I, I don't know. I'm waiting. But I hear that grandkids do funny things to you. You remember Todd Menard, a pastor in Louisiana? So when we were there, we went to dinner with him. And, and uh, Todd had a new truck, so he came pulling up. I was like, hey, I think that's Todd. And then he turned the corner, and there's just this ridiculous little license plate on the front of his truck that says Pi, P-I-E. And it's all sparkly and stuff. And I'm like, well, that's not Todd. He wouldn't have that ridiculous license plate. Todd gets out of the car. He gets out of the truck. And I'm like, what is up with you? He's like, well, I have one granddaughter. And I think she was supposed to call him Poppy, but she couldn't do that. So she just called him Pie. <laughs> so now he's Pie. And I told Tracy, well, at least he has an excuse for driving around with that on the front of his truck, right? So I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk a little bit, it's some, some from my book this morning. And, um, and just kind of give you a preview. But uh, about five years ago, or three years, yeah, about five years ago, one day I was praying and God gave me this vision of what parenting is supposed to be like. And I got this concept of packing for life. So that's the name of the book, Packing for Life. And the concept was this. To understand this principle, uh, you, have to, you have to think into the, into the future, envision the future. So your kids may be toddlers. They may be in elementary school, junior high, or high school. But imagine the day that they're standing on your front porch and you're saying goodbye because they are leaving your home and they're spreading their wings and they're ready to fly and, and, and handle the challenges of, of, you know, of adulthood. They may be going off to college, maybe joining the military. They may be moving in an apartment with a friend. But regardless, it's time they're leaving your home to begin a new chapter in their lives. And... and you know, you're helping them load all of their possessions into a vehicle or most likely you're putting them in your vehicle to take them to their house, right? But imagine, uh, imagine you, 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 there's all this stuff, you're loading it up, but I want you to think about it. Here's the concept of packing for life. Your kids are also leaving your home with an imaginary set of suitcases. And that, those imaginary set of suitcases, they're what you have taught them for the last 18 years while they're living in your home. Uh, all the things, all the things that, that uh, all the natural and spiritual principles you, you've poured into you. You see your kids, they're watching what you do. They're watching how you respond to situations and what you consider to be important in life. Uh, our kids are watching how we live as married couples. They're watching how we handle our finances, how we handle adversity. And they're watching to see if what we say is really important to us. And, and I, I just want you to know that when what you say lines up with what you do, it provides a powerful illustration 
for your kids, and it puts things in their suitcase, spiritual principles, natural principles that they will take in life. So some questions, you know, do we put God first in everything, or do we just give him lip service? Do we work at our jobs and do our jobs with excellence, or do we come home and complain and are critical of our jobs and act like we're not even thankful to have a job? Uh, you know, is the atmosphere in our homes godly? Is the fruit of the Spirit displayed in, in our homes? And here's, here's the thought. If our kids leave home with the right material inside of them, it'll do two things. First of all, it will alleviate the stress that you feel as a parent when they leave. That's the first thing. And, uh, and the, the, the second thing it will do is that it, they will be able to handle all the new decisions, responsibilities that are, that are about to be thrown on them. Uh, Proverbs 22.6, it says this. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. So let's talk about that word old there. What does that word old mean uh, here in this text in the Old Testament? Well, according to Jewish law, at the age of 13, a boy was no longer considered a child or a minor and was responsible to fulfill all of the Torah's commandments. The term bar mitzvah literally means son of the mitzvah. And so if you go to Israel or if you maybe see some Jewish families here in the States, whenever they're, they're 13, they have this huge celebration for their boys. And it's a rite of passage into manhood. Now, here's what you don't know. To, to be able to, you know, have your bar mitzvah, that young man has, has learned pages and pages and chapters and chapters of the Bible and quoted them verbatim. Whole chapters of the Bible, whole books of the Bible, they memorize and quote line for line, word for word. They have to have the Torah, God's word, in their heart if they're going to uh, live it out in, the, in their lives. So, so the term old here, this old, the term old means becoming a teenager. Train up a child in the way he will go, and when he becomes a teenager, when he turns 13, he will not depart from it as he continues to live into his, into his life. So it, it's very, very important. Sometimes parents are waiting, oh, my kids aren't old enough. Man, kids are like sponges. We've got to begin to pour God's word, pour principles, pour prayer into our kids. And, and of course, as if, you're, if you're a parent, even when your kids leave home, we all know, you may not know if you have young kids, you still feel the pressure. You still pray for them. You're still concerned for them. Uh, it it kind of never goes away. So there's a, a quote I put here, and it, and it says this, that parent, parenting is a very difficult job, and few do it with excellence. Parenting is it's one of the hardest jobs we have. It's one of the hardest things there is uh, to do with excellence. Most people don't finish the job with excellence. So let's talk for a minute about why is parenting so diff difficult. And the first thing is, is this, is, is the time frame involved in parenting. Most things we do are short-term things. At your job, you have, you have this uh, project that's due, and you're working around the clock, the team's working, and then after three months or six months, you, you, you finish it, it's completed, and then you move on to something else. So mo most, most of the things uh, that, that we... Um, you know, that we do are short-term tasks. Let's, for example, one thing that me and my kids always did and 
is we would, you know, every spring we, we would kind of spruce up the yard and the, the flower beds. And more than anything in life, my boys hated working in flower beds. More than anything in life. And, you know, they told me, Dad, I think we should uh, just pay to have a professional do this. And I said, well, I'll, I'll pay one day when y'all aren't here, but y'all are my professionals. Let's go. But, you know, you know the deal. We do something like, hey, don't plan anything on Saturday with your friends. You're not going anywhere. I mean, you spend the day and, man, you spend, you know, six, eight hours, but you weed everything, you, you plant things, you put fresh mulch down. And it's hard work, but at the end of the day, it looks good. You, the task is completed. Well, the problem with parenting is parenting is relentless. It's a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week job. And to be a good parent, to be a parent, to parent with excellence, you have to be consistent over a very long period of time. Yeah, I mean, sometimes parents are consistent through, through junior high, and then they just they take, they go on vacation during, during the teenage years, and, and chaos happens. You know, bad things happen. And the second reason that parenting is difficult is that parenting is only one of our responsibilities. I mean, parents, we have so many tasks and so many things we're trying to manage in this fast-paced world we live in. But think about it. We have careers to manage. We have marriages that need attention. We have bills to pay, houses to upkeep, cars to repair, and activities that we have to devote time to. The list is, the list is daunting, and it can, daunting, and it can be overwhelming at times. But if all we had to do was be a good parent, if when you had your children, like, okay, you have no more responsibilities until they're 18, you say, well, I don't want that option either, Terry. So, but anyway, it would be easier if that was your sole, your sole focus. But we have to learn how to parent with excellence along with managing all, all of our hectic lives. And the third thing is this, and this is very important. Many of us were not raised in homes that provided a biblical model of parenting. Uh, the truth is that many of you here who had children, you were raised in dysfunctional homes. You were raised in homes that were broken by divorce. You were raised in homes with alcoholics and, and, and yellowholics. Maybe you heard constant fighting and bickering. Maybe, uh, anyways, just, just a lot of things uh, that you were trying to fight through. And, and, and the last thing you want to do is create that environment for your kids. But it's one thing to know what you don't want to have. And it's another thing to establish a new trajectory for your family. And so... Uh, that's one of the reasons it's difficult. Those, those are the reasons that it's very, dis, dis, you know, just very difficult. So let's talk about this. Why is parenting so important? Why is parenting so important? Well, you say, because I love my kids. Well, it's bigger than that. It's way bigger than that. Uh, you may be shocked if I told you that your children don't belong to you. Your children don't belong to you. The truth is that our children belong to God, and he, he has given them to us as a reward or an inheritance. So spiritually, uh, spirit, parenting is a spiritual undertaking uh, that we're going to have to give an account for one day. We have to give an account for how we raised, how we nurtured, how we cared for God's kids that he put in our home. We have a responsibility to raise our kids for God. And because of that, when we understand that our kids don't belong to us, he gives them to us uh, to nurture and to care for, but they're his kids. When you realize the responsibility that we have, in my opinion, it raises the stakes of parenting. It raises the stakes because we're going to be held accountable for how we did, how we, uh, how we dealt with them, how we, 
how we, um, how we raise them and nurture them. Remember Jesus was talking one time and he had a little child over here and he said, let me tell you something, someone who hurts one of these kids, it would be better if you tied a millstone around his neck and threw him out in the ocean. So, so think about it. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty serious. Uh, Psalms 127, 3 through 5 says this, children are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring and reward from him like, hand, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. So let's talk about the goal of parenting, the goal of parenting. And the first thing we need to discover before we start packing our kids' suitcases for life is we have to understand the goal. Uh, so many times in life, we're running through life trying to survive. But it really helps if you discover where you want to be. If you have a goal you're trying to reach, if there's something you're trying to get to, it helps you know how to take the first steps in life. And unless you understand the goal of parenting, once you understand the goal, it will tell you what needs to be in their suitcase. And so uh, the goal of parenting is this. This is, this is my definition, and I'll show you the scriptures of it. The goal of parenting to Tracy and I, when I read the Bible, is to raise kids who love God, who love people, and fulfill their God-given purpose in life. I mean, that's it. That's what is my purpose when we're raising Terry, Ty, and Trinity? Our, our goal was, first of all, to try to instill in them a love for God, that, that you know, that God loves them, that he cares for them, that he's, he's always going to be there for them. We wanted them to love God with all their heart, soul, and mind. And uh, the second thing is we want our kids to, to love people. And then we want them to live their purpose in life. Let's look at this. The, the great Matthew 22, verse 37 through 39, it's called the great commandment. And this is where I get the first two from. It says, one of them, an expert in the law. Tested him with this question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second commandment is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So there we have love God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind means a total commitment, a total devotion. And the second one is to love people. And, you know, after this, of course, love your neighbor as yourself, they got smart with Jesus and said, well, who's my neighbor? And he told them the story of the Good Samaritan. And the goal is whoever's in need, whoever needs your help, whoever's around you, they are your neighbor. And then Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's work, handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's the live by purpose. So think about this. Think about this, that when God blessed you with your children, before they were conceived, God had a destiny and he had a plan with their name on it. They were, they were created in the image of God and they were created with a specific personality, specific gifts, specific talents that are unique to them. And God wants to use them with everything he's put in them to uh, fulfill themselves, but also to bless other people. That's one of the great things. When we fulfill God's plan, you know, sometimes we fulfill one of our own desires. And some of our own desires, some of them are purely selfish. Is that true? Have you ever had a desire that's selfish? You know? 
I mean, I do. Last week I went fishing. I'm like, Lord, please help me catch some fish. I mean, that's purely selfish, right? But I try to make it spiritual. God, I will give some of these to people in the church. And I do that too, okay? But, but think, purely the difference is when we are walking through following God to fulfill our destiny, it blesses other people. It fulfills us, but the blessing is to other people. I was talking to someone last week, and actually, um, Hector's our worship leader, so no offense, Hector. But, uh, but um, they were talking about how they don't like a lot of the Christian music today. Because a lot of the Christian music, it's all about me. It's all about me and God blessing me and God helping me. And, God. and Christians, when we're saved, we're supposed to be broken of our selfishness and see the world around us. And Hector and I have talked about that. Did you notice all the songs today? What were they about? About Jesus. They're about Jesus, about following him, serving him, and letting him uh, have rule in our lives. So let's talk about these three things. Uh, our goal, the goal of parenting is to raise kids who love God, who love people, and fulfill their destiny in life. Those three things are <clears throat> very simple. So first of all, we're to raise kids who love God. And uh, this means that if we're going to raise kids to love God, it means that we are to make the spiritual nurture and development of our children the number one priority. The number one priority. Sports isn't the number one priority. Academics is not the number one priority. Hobbies are not the number one priority. The NFL is not the number one priority. And I could go on and on, you know. But the number one priority is supposed to be the nurture, the spiritual nurture and development of our children. And if, if our kids can love God with all their heart, if they can love God with all their hearts, if we can get that into them, and if we as parents can display and model that for them, uh, if they love God with all their heart, soul, and mind, then what will happen is they will automatically love other people because God loves people. And they will be consumed with pursuing God's purpose in their lives. See, when you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, it means that he's captivated your, your, your soul. He's captivated you. You think about him. You dream dreams about how God can use you. And when you have the love of God in your heart, it's impossible not to like other people. Now, sometimes I hear people talking, and they're like, oh, that person bugs me. And I'm like, you just need more of God in you. It really, really bothers me. And they're not talking about racial distinctions. That person just bothers me. Well, you know what? Sometimes you bother me too, but I still love you because God's in me. A lot of our problems is we need more of Jesus in us. We need more of the Holy Spirit in us and less carnality in our lives. <clears throat> I tell you, sometimes Christians, sometimes Christians, we can be so carnal. And see, such a small picture. And when God captivates ourselves, he just blows up all of our predispositions and he just shows us new things. We have a love for people. We have a love for him. And our sole desire is to follow him and to do uh, what he has for us. And so, again, this brings us to a big obstacle. Um, we're supposed to put into our kids the first love of God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. But we can't do that if we don't possess that. That's the biggest problem. We can't give our kids something that we don't possess. I talk with parents sometimes, they're like, I don't know what the deal is. I talk to my kids about that so much. You gotta do more than talk, you gotta walk. 
You've got to walk it out when what you say and what you do are consistent. That's a powerful, a powerful example. But we think about it. We've become so consumed with materialism, consumerism, sports, hobbies that, you know, if we're honest, sometimes we've got to just be honest and say, man, I need to repent. God is not number one in my life. God is not captivating me. I'm not, I'm not thinking about spiritual things. I'm just thinking about how to satisfy uh, so, some of my needs. And I tell you, church, uh, and I'm not saying this in condemnation. I, I love everybody. But I am saddened today by the lack of spiritual nurture and development in Christian homes. In, I, I'm saddened by the lack of spiritual nurture, devotion, and development in Christian homes. We, we have so many Christian homes where there's no spiritual development taking place. There's no Bible reading. There's no spiritual conversations. There's little commitment to, to the local church and really pursuing the kingdom of God. There's, there's little to no commitment in that. And so what happens is, you know, people come to church. The average American goes to church 1.2 times a month. I don't know how they do the point two, but that's just what they say. I, did, I didn't make the stat. That's what they say. So, if, so let's just say if the average Christian goes to church twice a week, so you bring your kids twice a week, but nothing else is taking place in the home. See, the church, when we come together, youth group, children's church, they're supposed to uh, enhance what you do in the home. It's supposed to support what you do uh, in the home. They're supposed to supplement what you do in the home. But if there's nothing happening in the home, uh, you know, it's, it, it can be difficult. So the number one goal for parenting, and, and I, hope, I hope when you go home today, parents, I pray that you have visions and dreams and you have a paradigm shift in your life. And you say, man, if God isn't number one in my life, my kids are going to see that. I can't give them what I don't possess. And I pray that it leads to repentance. We say, I'm going to do better. I'm going to up my game. I'm going to set the example. I, I'm going to get myself right first. I had a conversation several, about a month ago with a, with, with a friend. And we were talking about you know, the younger generation, the generation coming up. And he said, Terry, why are so many young people today who were raised in church living like the world? He said, man, I, I, I see all these kids that were raised in church. I knew them. And, and this person wasn't from our church. We, I was just having a conversation. And he's like, man, they're just, they have no interest in church or spiritual things. You know, a high percentage of people, kids who are raised in church, they're just living together without marriage. It's like all the things that, that Christianity teaches their kids aren't doing. And he, he said, why, why, why is that happening? And I, I'm going to say this because you can be a great parent and you can do all the right things. And sometimes one of your children will do something that you didn't teach them. So I, I never want to make anyone feel bad. I may want to challenge you to, to change or think about your life, but I'm, I'm not doing that. Sometimes, and if your kids aren't doing what you instilled in them, I believe we can pray them into the kingdom. We can pray them back. So I'm, I'm not saying that. But I will say this. The majority of time, the majority of reasons this happens, our kids grow up, is because there was a lack of spiritual nurture and development. Not always, but probably 80% of the time. Sometimes kids just make uh, bad, bad decisions. 
So the second thing we need to do is we, we have to raise our kids to love people, all people. And the Bible is very clear that God wants us to love all people. Uh, there's no black, white, brown, or any combination between. There's one human race. We're all a part of it. We all, we all came from Adam. So theoretically, we're all one race. And, you know, racial tension, divisions, uh, anywhere in the world is a direct result of, of demonic forces. A lot of people think that we just have racial divisions in America. No, I go all over the world. I've been all over the world. I have not been to a country yet where there wasn't some form of racial prejudice, things like that. It's, it's in every country. It's in every country. And this is a demonic division that the devil uh, is, is getting us into. So let me ask you a question. Where, where and this isn't, 100, this isn't 100%, but it's a hyper. Where, where, does, where does racism and prejudices, where do they form? They form in the home. They form in the home. Uh, three years ago, I was talking about this, and, and I had our congregation, I, you know, we have a mixed congregation. I asked our people, how many of you, while you were growing up, you heard your parents say dispar- disparaging comments about another race or ethnicity? 90% of our congregation raised their hand. 90%. And many of them were raised in Christian homes. And so, you know, we have to do, we have to do better. We have to do better than that. We have to raise our kids to love all people. And, 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 and uh, that's just the bottom line to it. So raise our kids to love, love God with all their heart, soul, and mind. If they do that, it will be much easier to love people. Much easier. And third, we have to raise our kids to follow God's plan. So ultimately, ultimately, you know, one thing Trace and I said was, you know, I, I met as a pastor, I meet people all the time who are miserable in their jobs. They hate their jobs. And I told my kids, listen, I want you to do what God is putting your heart to do because I know this. If you're doing what you love to do, you wake up every day energized and excited about going to do it. And so I don't want them just to go and, you know, it, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how much money a job makes if you hate it, if you hate it. So we have to, I want them to do what God had put in their hearts to do. And again, I think when this discovery is realized, it fills us with passion. We're energized to wake up every day and pursue our God-given dreams. Now, let, let's talk about this for a minute. If we had a generation, let's say the whole next generation, where there's a shutoff right now, and the whole next generation, where if everyone, if everyone was raised to love God with all their heart, to love people, and to fulfill their God-given purpose, um, I'm j- just play along with me. I know some of you are thinking, well, Terry, that's theoretically impossible. But just, just play with me for a minute. Just go along with me for a minute. If we did this, can you Im- imagine the implications for our world? First of all, there would be no crime. Right? Suicides, suicide rates would, would be non-existent because you don't take your life if you're infused with God and you have passion and energy. Um, prejudice and racism would disappear because God, God loves all people. We would love people like God. Uh, I mean, think about it. Terrorism, depression rates. All the, the world would be a different place than it is today. And again, you may say, well, Terry, that's not going to happen. Well, I have a suggestion. Let's start, with our, let's start with the church. Let's clean ourselves up. Let's get our house in order and let's set an example for the people, for the people around us. So, um, you know, this morning, 
I want to, I want to pray for all the parents this morning. And, and, uh, and, and I, I say this, if you know somebody that is having tr- parenting trouble and uh, you want to get them a book, if you think they'll read it, pick one up. If you can't pay for it, you know, just, just, uh, just, just take one and we'll do that. And, um, I'll take it out. Of, I'll take it out of Tracy's budget. <laughs> so anyway, they like that. Normally they like it when I make fun of myself, but I brought you in. That's okay. We have a four, we have another extra bedroom in the house. I can, it has a comfortable bed. I made sure we've got a good mattress on there. So <clears throat> I want to, I want to pray for you this morning because uh, again, I believe I, you know, we're not talking about being perfect parents. Tracy and I were not perfect parents, okay? I mean, my kids will probably make a list of you of all the things we did wrong. But what we tried to do was be authentic. What we tried to do was get the big things right. If you get the big things right, teach them to love God. Pour into their lives and demonstrate God's love to other people. And then help them find their spiritual destiny, what God has called them to do. I think if we can do these things, and again, this takes consistency over a long period of time to get there. But I I just want to encourage you, you know, if your kids aren't doing well, it's never too late for God to get a hold of them. It doesn't matter if you were a really good parent and did all these things and they went on their wild on their own way. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you messed up. There are some parents I know and they just weren't saved when they were raising their kids. They didn't get saved till later. And listen, God is a God of mercy. And I believe if we consistently pray our kids, we can pray them from where they are to where they need to be. Amen. Would you stand with me today? If you're a parent here today, even if your kids are grown, would you just raise your hands with me? We're going to ask God to help us. God, we pray for your mercy upon our lives, Lord God. God, we, you know, We're doing the very best we can with our children. But Lord, we know that we need you to make up the difference, Father God. God, sometimes we're weak. Sometimes we have bad days. Sometimes we make mistakes and we're a bad example. But God, we need your power in our lives. We need your power. We need the Holy Spirit leading our children and guiding them and bringing them back home. So God, I just release your power today for all the kids represented here today. Lord, if there's kids that are on the wrong track, in the name of Jesus, we claim their souls for the kingdom of God. We pray that you would give them dreams and visions of their life with you, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that you would stir their hearts to come back to you. God, for all the kids we have here that are toddlers and babies and kindergarten, Lord, we pray. We pray that you give us the grace and the discipline to represent you to them. God, help us to demonstrate love to you, Lord God. Help us to demonstrate devotion to you, Lord God. Help us display the heart of God in our lives, Lord. God, we just pray that you would just wreck our flesh, God. Lord, just destroy our carnal nature and fill us with your spirit, God, so that we can, again, just display your love. God, I pray. For every parent here this morning. And Lord, I even declare right now that you're going to get this book into the hands of everyone that needs it, God. Supernaturally, you're going to use this to minister to parents and families across our nation and around the world. In Jesus' name we pray.
Thank you so much, church. You're dismissed. Have a great day. You will love.